0: This is Control Structure, episode 94 for September 12th, 2015. Big week to everyone listening. This show has notes. Uh, to see them, you can visit thenexustv cs94 to see them. I'm your host, Stephen Orvis, and with me is the other host, Andrew ba- Bailey. Hi, Andrew.
1: Hi, Steve. How are you doing?
0: Doing good. How are you?
1: Uh, I just realized that if we wanted to be more like Chris, we'll say hi at the middle of the show.
0: Okay, I'll go add that in the notes to say hi.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Uh, this is kind of like the end of summer, I guess. Kind of,
0: but it was kind of warm, though, too.
1: Yeah, um, so that Memorial Day thing happened or whatever, you know, that one holiday at the end of summer.
0: Yeah, one of the few holidays that I have off.
1: Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, so, you know, it's pretty weird because, you know, I I assume you have paid holidays also.
0: I do have a very few number of paid holidays.
1: So it's pretty weird how they sort of bunch up at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, it would be nice if they're spread out some, but on the other hand, it's nice to get them, so.
1: So, like, for the first six months of the year, there's only two.
0: Then Christmas time you figure you're Christmas And then you have New Year's Day That's like within a couple weeks of each other Yeah Or less
1: Yeah, so like for a six month period You only have one And then like the other four or so are
0: So if if you want to get super crazy You have Thanksgiving, right? Yeah then if you live in a traditional deer hunting area You actually get the first day of buck season off too? Hmm which isn't too common, for and and if, company, I guess. So, and if your company
1: and if your company encourages that sort of behavior,
0: wait. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yes, traditionally you get the first day of buck season off, and then of course you get your Christmas off, and then New Year's Day. So that's like four holidays in just a little bit over a month's time.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank goodness for paid vacations.
0: Yes, those are pretty nice. I I understand you're you're taking a paid vacation here soon?
1: Yes. Uh, So starting next week sometime, uh, I will be flying very, very far away uh, for about two weeks or so, a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, So I will be joining uh, my brother over in uh, Berlin, actually, and I'm going to fly over there with Mom, so this will be sort of like a family vacation. So, uh, my brother doesn't live over there. He lives in Portland, uh, Oregon. Uh, apparently, I hear it's where young people go to retire, and there's a lot of hipsters out there. So, you know, my brother wants t- to, uh, like, visit the places where tourists don't usually go. So, I guess you could say this is sort of a hipster vacation. I see. So, uh, as of yet, I have no idea what that entails. Uh, I'm not sure how far out of the city we'll be, but, uh, it kind of sounds like we'll be, you know, taking a hike, uh, for a few places. So, uh, let's see, my brother and actually his girlfriend are, uh, in flying to Amsterdam tonight because we're actually recording this a day early. Uh, so they're flying to Amsterdam and they're gonna like hang around there for a couple of days and then they're gonna take the train over uh the day that me and Mom are flying in. Uh but they'll be, I'm not sure, like maybe like five hours later, uh coming in. So like me and Mom will have to find something to do. And uh <laughs> so my brother called me earlier this week and said, uh, so uh yeah go to the uh, central train station from the airport and you might want to like find a locker or something to stash your luggage in so you don't look like a freaking tourist <laughs> 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 so so you can go around and, like maybe like you know find something to eat or something <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so uh, yeah this is going to be a little fun
0: so you've brushed up in all your German, and you're going like, to do the rest of the podcast in German, uh, right? To be
1: honest, no. Pretty much the only uh, useful bit of German that I know is Sprechen Sie English, and I will repeat that to anyone until I hear an affirmative response. Okay. <laughs> and then talk to them in English.
0: <laughs> so, so so I, I know you last podcast, you showed us your uh, new Android phone that you had just gotten. If you downloaded the, the Google Translate app so that you can speak in English to it and it were speaking German back out?
1: Uh, no, but that is a very good idea.
0: <laughs> I, I tried it the one time. No, I don't speak other languages very well, so I don't like actually know if it came out right, but you'd say <clears throat> you'd say something into it and it would show up on the screen in a good English translation, and then it would mutter something out in another language. So it appears to work.
1: So, uh, speaking of other languages, I've been, uh, watching like, I'm not sure how many videos of car crashes, and at least half of them are from Russia. So I've inadvertently know a few Russian swear words. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of funny <laughs> Yeah So Yeah just look on YouTube for Car crash videos They'll practically all be from Russia Because you know A very significant fraction Of people over there have Video cameras on their dashboards
0: Oh so it's about them Having the dash cams I, I was trying to figure out is it that Russians are bad drivers Or what? what's the deal with that
1: Well just <laughs> You know, after watching, I'm not sure, like maybe a total of five hours or so, it seems like they have a very bad uh, habit of driving on the left side of the road.
0: That would do it to you, because, you know.
1: Yeah, it's... so like, for instance, there'll be the stopped traffic, and then they'll realize, oh, there's this whole empty lane over here I can use. And then they'll get on it, and then they'll be uh, like they'll smash right into the head of someone pulling left or right into that lane. Oh wow! Uh, usually left because like that'd be like the stopped traffic on the right side. Okay. Um, or sometimes you know like someone will be in the left lane and they'll want to turn left, so traffic will pile up behind them. And then once that there's a spot you know an empty spot in the traffic, they'll you know start to turn left at the same instant that some expletive behind them will decide, oh, there's a free open lane. So they'll pull into the open lane and use it, uh, only to T-bone the person turning left. I see. <laughs> so, and then so and then also, you know, if you combine vodka plus snow, uh, things can get pretty nasty. I can
0: see that would possibly be a bad mix.
1: So, uh, yeah. Let's see. And then, uh, but yeah, I'm not going to Russia. I'm going to Germany. So...
0: (laughs) So, so what got you on watching car accident videos?
1: I guess I wanted to see, like, things you know, being destroyed, I guess. So, like, there's this, uh, like, this one channel has, I don't know, like, over 80 of these and I've watched every single one of them past 40, I think. So I'm, like, you know, going back through slowly. So, um... Okay. So, yeah, it's... uh I guess the bottom line of this is that, uh, you know, there won't be a podcast for about a month or so. So, yeah. Hi, brother. How you doing? Wait, you don't listen to this. So... Hey, speaking about traveling and such, you know the TSA?
0: Uh, Those are the people at the airport that are famed for poking and prodding people and such things. Yeah,
1: I believe it stands for Travelers Standing Around.
0: I'm sure that's not the actual acronym, but that sounds funny.
1: (laughs) Um, So there's these uh, TSA-approved locks, right, that, you know, if you use them... Like, your luggage won't be busted if it goes through security and they need to examine it. Uh, well, apparently, the Washington Post helpfully uh, did an article about something at the TSA uh, where they showed off all of those master keys that open all of those TSA-approved locks. It's not as if luggage was secure anyway uh, because the TSA had all these keys. And if not, just use, like, a bolt cutter or something. So, uh, with these uh, photos, uh, someone has actually printed off, like, 3D printed these keys off, and they work. And, like, they've actually put them up on GitHub. So, I guess the moral of this story is, this is why we shouldn't have any kind of master-keyed system, uh, like the kind that the FBI and the NSA want.
0: That was kind of the thought, like, was even, without making the, the connection the other article like first i was reading to him like this all happened and suddenly now all these locks are insecure because there's one security breach happened it was a security breach they didn't intend to happen no one thought it was going to happen but it happened yeah and in the same mm-hmm. way back doors no one intends for them to be breached and uh it just takes once and then suddenly you have all these locks that are not locks
1: so the uh, washington post kind of noticed their uh you know the vulnerability let's just say and uh you know quickly blurred out the image within i'm not sure how long uh but uh some enterprising folks quickly saved that image and uh yeah it's pretty much everywhere now except on the washington post
0: which is funny. It's like I, I I did notice this someplace. I saw a photo with the, the black blocks within the keys. It's like it's too late for that now. It's so, <laughs> don't bother.
1: so. If you go to the Reddit thread, uh, about halfway down the comment section, there, uh, like someone actually posts to Immigrant like the original photo, and then right below it is like very uh, sharp and uh, lovely images of each key individually. So, you know, as Bruce says here, the whole thing neatly illustrates one of the main problems with backdoors, whether in cryptographic systems or physical systems. So, yeah.
0: Just on a side note, it's kind of a neat use for uh, 3D printers. I suppose uh, for making spare keys, you could have, like, a spare key for your house stored someplace somewhat secure, and assuming your 3D printer lives in your car... If you got locked out of your house, you could go to your car and your portable 3D printer and print your house key. You
1: know, granted, you actually had a model of the key. You know, yeah, accessible.
0: Granted, you have a model saved someplace and and digitally. this
1: this sort of uh, you know illustrates you know how fragile the you know security around physical keys are. You know, a picture of them and uh, you know pretty much everything has gone. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the one article mentioned that a picture of a key at like 200 feet and even at an angle, they said that supposedly you could still uh, come up with a reproduction key that probably could work from that image, but it wasn't that big of a deal. So it was like, I've never really thought of it before, but it, it sounds like you really can't have any picture taken of a key. If you want it to be secure, if they take a picture, you're not secure anymore.
1: So granted, it has to have sufficient resolution to do so. That yes, picture not just a blurry feet. blob.
0: Yes, I they didn't really expound upon the the scenario yeah, there.
1: Your cell phone camera is probably not going to cut it at two hundred feet. <laughs> raspberry 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 raspberry
0: guess what i had for supper tonight for dessert raspberry yes i had a raspberry pie
1: very nice
0: i literally had a raspberry pie
1: so uh what can you tell us about raspberry
0: it was very tasty and on a side note uh there is now an official display for the raspberry pie
1: no way
0: yes way it looks pretty awesome, too. It's a 7-inch, uh, 800 by 48, four, 480, rather. Uh, and so sort, actually, of,
1: sort of like a widescreen VGA, so 800 by
0: 480. Yeah. Yep. And uh, they're selling it for $60, which I, I, I thought about it. It seemed reasonable enough, and uh, it looks like they've kind of thought things out on it. I noticed on the back they have your standard Android charger plug to power it, and yeah, then they have
1: micro USB. It's, mm, a, it's the same plug that's on the Pi itself.
0: Yeah, so the, that's to me standard Android plug. I don't know what the actual which one it is, but uh, that's probably what most people know it as. Anyways, so they have that, and then they actually have a USB out on it too, so you can plug in another Android charger plug, which also happens to be a USB micro B.
1: Uh, Or you can plug the Pi into it.
0: Exactly. So you only have to power the Pi through one, so the Pi is powered through the screen. And then they used uh, the port... uh, Perhaps you can help me with the the name of the port. It was D-something. Yes, so
1: so the interesting thing about this display and why you would want this display is that pretty much... Well, not pretty much. All other uh, Raspberry Pi displays use the HDMI port uh, the composite output or one of the GPIO pins and by one of the GPIO pins I mean all of them (laughs) so this kind of you know blocks other things so if you get your handy dandy Raspberry Pi you'll notice that there's two sort of weird shaped you know plastic ports that jut up from it Uh, One of them is the camera port, and the other is a display port. And this display uses that display port. And they even say that you can drive both this touchscreen and an HDMI display at the same time. Which,
0: that's pretty neat thinking about that, to be having a dual monitor set up that kind of has a lot of interesting possibilities there.
1: So, like, you could have like sort of a home theater PC... Uh, with a touch screen on it.
0: Another thing I was thinking about, practical applications, uh, I'm not sure what to call it in the industry, but I know like in some factories and stuff, the machines are, have like a control panel and have things on it. And when I saw the screen, I saw the back of my furnace with screen control panel on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, talking, the, the touch screen, it says it's a 10-point a, a compa- compa- capacitive screen. which I was wondering what the ten point meant, and I see in the notes you said that means a ten finger. And I noticed in the one demos that they had had multiple fingers on it, yes, moving things around. So that's pretty neat because that means you, well, you have ten fingers. So unless you start using your toes, it's going to be tough to overuse or, that one or
1: or get a friend
0: or get a friend. That's true. You could get a friend.
1: So uh, this display is a twenty-four bit display. And it runs at 60 hertz. So that's a dollar per hertz. So um, it looks like it's, uh, I believe it's a TN type display. So like your uh, color uh, reproduction and your viewing angles aren't going to be that great. But this display is really fast. So, um, yeah, it looks like I might be getting one of these, you know, just because, you know, it's it,
0: no specific project, just just to play with it.
1: Yeah. So if uh, you remember, I have this twentieth-century uh, PC here, yep. and you know, like I could, you know, like say, be playing Fallout Two and be reading a guide or something on this uh, screen at the same time, and have like no other machines on. There you go.
0: So do you have? You, you never? Did you ever buy the Raspberry Pi Two? Are you still on the one?
1: I I still have just the uh the Model B. Yeah,
0: I, I haven't bought any of the, the Pi twos yet either.
1: So um let's see it was oh yeah. I I remembered that, you know, since the you know the Raspberry Pi two has that uh micro S D slot on it, like I needed to buy a micro S D card for my uh phone and it came with uh, one of those uh like the bigger adapters. Yes. And I'm like, you know, is there any here that don't actually come with those anymore?
0: It's, it seems like pretty much all the SD cards now that you buy, they're all the micro SD cards with an adapter. It's just like standard. It's nice. The SD cards are really cheap. Like, I've been watching on uh, the internet, like, cell prices and things. And the memory prices are just it's just getting to the point where it's crazy how cheap stuff is for the memory.
1: Yeah. So I guess it's, you know, part of the, uh, whatchamacallit, you know, the SSDs going around, you know, uh, the solid state drives for like laptops and stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: So you're thinking that technology having been in demand is now making all the SD technology, uh, easier to produce because we are making similar things,
1: Well, I mean, it's not in particular like the SD technology because it's flash memory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just it's just, you know, any sort of generic chip these days, you know, unlike, say, a floppy disk, you know, a flash, you know, piece of flash memory doesn't exactly come in one form factor or type. So, you know, like there's flash memory in pretty much everything these days. So, you know, not only is there SD cards or compact flash cards, or, like, soldered onto the board, there's, uh, like, SATA drives, you know, like, all sorts of form factors. So, anyways, uh, for the first time in a long time, let's have a lol apple. <laughs> so, uh, actually, this isn't really much of a lol apple uh, because everyone had another applegasm this week. I've pretty much gotten used to ignoring these. Uh, see another podcast for more information.
0: So, so as soon as you said the little apple, I was sitting there waiting for the sound to come on because I listened <laughs> to podcast ones where I had it. Yeah, so now I'm going to have to go back and listen to the podcast just that, so that I can hear the
1: sound. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's added in post, actually. Yes. So I
0: realized that after the sound, it did not come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I I waited to give enough space for it. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, some other thing I wanted to, oh, yeah, so, uh, anyways, there is another podcast on this network, supposedly, but given that, as of this posting, probably, uh, the last three podcasts and the last five out of seven, uh, shows on this network is control structure.
0: That's pretty impressive.
1: It- you- yeah, so it'd be nice to have another show on the network. Uh like maybe a gadget show. Uh, because Qualcomm has talked about their new Cryo CPU. So maybe they could come on and talk about that a little bit. Uh so uh Cryo is uh Qualcomm's you know brand spanking new slash not quite released yet, uh CPU architecture. Uh so it's like their custom uh like, their custom core. Uh, So, uh, like, before, I believe that they had their Crate uh, design, which was a 32-bit design, but now, like, they've realized that, oh, uh, you know, smartphones, they are coming up quite quickly on the 4-gigabyte barrier. So having 64-bit capability might help uh, with, you know, expanding that a little bit.
0: So is that what this processor brings, is 64-bit, then?
1: Yes. That's, like, the... Big, you know, you know, light up banner, you know, show everything about this thing.
0: I'm trying to make my cell phone tell me what processor I have in it, but I haven't found it yet. I, I think it is some sort of a Snapdragon, I think. I have no idea though which one.
1: So uh as a side note, I got a file browser on my uh phone and I was able to get into like the proc uh CPU info. Yep. Yeah. So uh,
0: oh that's right I have mine rooted too I can just hit use proc I can do that so have you rooted your phone yet uh,
1: no um, I might though because I kind of want the uh, new Android system which I believe is 6.0 um, so anyways uh, Qualcomm had actually released a 64 bit CPU before uh, like a few months ago but it was like Pretty much based on stock designs and overheated like a lot. So when you are holding it in like a phone, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, the heat definitely isn't good, and if it's heating, that also tells me too it's burning a lot of energy, and that's also another problem. Yes. So so my 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 pr- uh, the proc CPU CPU info says I have a Qualcomm MSM eight. T two, two six. I'm hmm. trying to see if that was in the line because they list the line of processors there. Eight T hmm, Maybe it's a different line.
1: Yeah, they don't match up. Yeah, because uh, Snapdragon's are uh, three-digit models. Okay. Uh, so far, anyway. So something that you're not going to be doing on a Snapdragon probably is uh, cracking passwords. Uh, so it might have been a month ago or so that uh, like all of this user data from Ashley Madison got like spilled all over the internet. Uh, so along with that were the uh, passwords and like hashed passwords of like all these uh, people. Uh, so it seemed like they were pretty good because they used Vcrypt, uh, but they were actually using something else based on MD5 for like some sort of a, like a login token or a login key. Uh, which was based on m d five which pretty much blew the whole thing open uh so Sinosure prime uh you know also got a hold of the uh uh the source code that was leaked uh far as I know, these are not the people who actually did the hack uh so they got the uh you know downloaded the user data and downloaded the source code. And they found that this login key variable was actually composed of uh, the lowercase of the username, password, email, and like some long salt. Uh, so they they attacked the MD5, you know, because uh, at that point three of those four variables were known. Uh, so they, you know, you know, since MD5 is a lot easier to crack than bcrypt is they pretty much brute forced it that way
0: so i was looking at the the list of the top 100 passwords and a lot of the passwords are really stupid passwords like your typical what everyone says to never make the passwords such as 123456
1: yeah and password or and, and computer yeah essentially and qwerty Um, so, you know, this is, you know, pretty much the standard, I would say, you know, maybe not the standard, but it's kind of par for the course, I guess, uh, for, uh, you know, massive database dumps of passwords. Uh, so right now of the 35 million, uh, user accounts, uh, 11 million have been cracked. So that's about a third. Uh, so of these, uh, was that 4.6 million passwords were unique? So like these were passwords that no one else used except one person out of this 11 million or so subset.
0: Which, I mean, it seems like the the examples like the one two three four five six, like you've I've heard that many different sites people saying about that. So that must be like so common people just do it and don't think.
1: Yeah, or people were making throwaway accounts. Yeah. Which That's true. Which on Ashley Madison was you know, apparently people had to pay to get into the site, and they yeah. also had to pay to get their stuff deleted. Although it was a fake delete because their stuff wasn't actually deleted.
0: One of those deletes. Yeah. <laughs> he just marked it as deleted and it's deleted,
1: but not really. Pretty much. Uh so uh let's talk about some uh, free media formats or at least you know getting there. Uh so you know about WebM? WebM. So that's um, I don't recognize it. That's the uh video format that Google uses for uh, HTML video.
0: Okay, so that would be like what YouTube uses. Uh
1: yeah. Now. Yeah. So uh, WebM is a royalty-free format. You can use it however you want and how much you want. Uh, so uh, there's uh, you know, H.264 is a you know a video used for like uh, Blu-ray video and such, and also quite a bit of video online too. A successor recently came out called H.265 or HEVC. Uh, so The uh, licensing uh, restrictions around 265 are a lot different and a lot more stringent, let's say, than H.264. So a lot of companies are getting together uh, to, you know, form this alliance for open media. And their main goal is to create a competitor to this high-efficiency video codec. Uh, So it seems that, you know, a lot of, you know, companies that are behind this uh you know Amazon Cisco Google Intel uh, even Microsoft Netflix and Mozilla are sort of backing this
0: I, I was surprised the list of p- companies you just kind of go through it and it's like everyone <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so you know these companies have uh, pretty uh you know heavy stakes in internet video uh so Uh, see, Netflix is obvious. Amazon, along with Netflix. Uh, Mozilla, Microsoft, uh, there's, they are the, you know, big browser vendors along with Google. But Google also has the, uh, you know, the WebM stuff. So that's, you know, something to build off of. Uh, Cisco, uh, they're actually into a lot of video conferencing stuff. So, Due to a little fluke in the H.264 licensing, Uh, it's like apparently there's a royalty up to like $10 million per year of how many copies of the decoder you can distribute. So they've essentially allowed people to download the decoder from them. And they're like, yeah, we're just doing this for free. We'll pay your licensing fee. Ah, okay. Okay.
0: So the, if the people who download it, then they don't actually have to pay for the rest of it. Yeah. Ha. That's really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Then Mozilla, you know, not only with Firefox, but they are also involved with the .org formats. Uh, so I believe we might have mentioned Dala before. Um, so that's sort of a cooperation between Mozilla, ZIF, and I think maybe Google too. Um... But yeah, that's also uh, some more you know code base to build off of. So, uh, hi Steve. Hi Andrew. Ah, uh, that that feels so much like Chris. It
0: does just random.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, hey, let's talk about some more open source and uh, freedom goodness stuff, like the Unreal Engine. Uh, so recently, Unreal four point nine was released and. There are so many fixes for this, Uh, but they are also touting the major features of, you know, improving the mobile uh, engine support. Uh, So they're like doing a lot of lights and shadows and stuff, stuff that you really don't think uh, about when you see like a static still screenshot. But when, you know, you actually get it into motion, lights and shadows can produce some very creepy feelings. You know, like, I, I remember playing games after I uh, got a new video card, and suddenly there's, like, shadows and lights moving. And I'm like, okay, this is a very creepy thing. <laughs> uh, so another banner feature that they're doing is uh, Experimental DirectX 12 uh, support uh so that's like the multi-threaded rendering stuff um so yeah just a whole lot of other th- you know little things that you know make this so awesome and you know because they're open source you know it's open for anyone to uh contribute to uh so meanwhile epic games which you know are sort of backing this uh have released 3 million dollars worth of assets from the Infinity Blade games for free, so I'm not sure if this is all of the assets, but you know it includes not only 3D models but also sounds as well. So,
0: so, so these are like all the resources from this game. They're including us so that people can play with it and do stuff with it.
1: Pretty much, uh, like the only restriction that they currently have is that you must use it in a you a uh, Unreal Four uh, based game. And it's so, it's not exactly clear if you can, uh, like, modify these in any way. But I suppose that they wouldn't really mind.
0: So, so it seems like what they're trying to do is push people into using the Unreal Engine and really promote it and saying, like, hey, here's this free stuff you can use if you want to use the engine.
1: Exactly. So, you know, here's not only the engine. Here's also some little toys you can play around inside of it.
0: That's that's pretty neat because sometimes without examples and pre-done stuff, uh, especially if you just want to tinker with something, it's no fun. But if you have like stuff to play with and you can kind of see how things are done.
1: So also, there's a uh, cardboard hero. <laughs> that,
0: I saw that.
1: Yeah. So even though that Infinity Blade is a iOS game, it looks pretty good. Like the actual visual quality that is. So, uh, yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, encryption and backdoors and stuff way early in the podcast. Uh, So the FTC commissioner uh, has an op-ed stating that we should have more encryption and no backdoors. So this is the Federal Trade Commission person saying that, yeah, this is encryption is like the best thing ever. You know, this helps secure people. Uh, from, you know, everyday criminals doing everyday crime against everyday people.
0: And I was trying to find the article. I know he mentioned in there, was it this guy that had his laptop stolen, or was this an- another guy?
1: Uh, must have been another guy.
0: I trying to find, I just realized I didn't say the link.
1: Um, so, uh, saying here that we now carry smartphones that are not only our personal calendars, contacts, messages, and photo albums, but also our wallets, health information, and controls for things in our homes. Coming soon. Uh, as we connect more and more things to each other and to the internet, uh, and it runs m- more of our lives on apps through our phones, we increase our exposure. Uh, current estimates forecast that there will be anywhere from 25 to 50 billion connected devices in five years. That's a target-rich environment for bad actors.
0: So I found that what I referenced there, it's their chief technologist of the FTC. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually had, had his laptop stolen, and it was an Apple, and he had, had like the firmware passwords turned on. And so I guess it turns out the thieves had tried to, or thieves or people they sold it to, tried to take it to Apple to get it unlocked and fixed. And so when he realized that that was happening because he got an email from Apple about it, uh, he called the police and the police uh, was able to get his laptop back. Cool. So he, he was saying that was a case of when the encryption helped because it was unuseful to the thief as a brick.
1: Yeah. Although I usually return, uh, reserve the word brick for something that cannot ever work again.
0: To the thief, it was a brick.
1: So, um, so also, you know, along with the, uh, you know, the billions of connected devices, you know, this op-ed also stresses the, uh, security for internet of things, which you know, pretty much turns me off from the whole ecosystem, you know, of the Internet of Things. Uh, But, you know, I kind of question the utility of, you know, controlling every little thing remotely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a balance with that, but definitely the security is a huge issue, and uh, that's something people are going to have to think about. I even, uh, that that DEF CON that we were talking about the other day, I had watched an article recently about that, and they were saying about how... uh, you can make use of some of the radio rave spectrums that aren't in use in all areas of the country, but then you have, like, problems with, like, the devices, you know, authenticating and stuff with other devices, how do you know when this, you know, secure and even, like, overriding existing signals and things. And it just seemed like they're, they're kind of pointing at the Internet things, like, in a different spectrum of it, but there's a lot of issues like that to be discovered as we get deeper into it.
1: Right. Uh, let's see then. Also, so, you know, I sort of questioned, you know, back to the questioning the utility of it all. Uh, let's see, I think it was like sometime back in the nineties that MIT connected a pop machine to the internet. So you could theoretically order a can of pop from your, you know, from your desk which sounds cool except you actually had to walk back to the machine to pick up your soda <laughs> which hey. if you're which if you're walking down the hall to the machine anyway what's the utility of this what do you gain from this
0: at least you know if it's out of pop before you walk all the way
1: true but you know if there's if they did it to one there's probably multiple pop machines around there so you know they could just you know like walk down further if they wanted like Dr Pepper so bad. Could be. Uh, so unfortunately we have no podcast feedback this week, uh, so don't forget to uh, submit it using our uh, handy dandy submit feedback link on the Nexus TV. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so back up all your stuff uh, because I'm leaving soon. So. It's a good time to shuffle around everything. How about you?
0: Um. Well, I guess uh, while you're leaving, I'll be uh, staying and uh, working since I don't have vacation during this time period. I have deer season off instead. But uh, that's right, more deer. Um. So yeah, be. Me.
1: So you mentioned that you're now coming down on Tuesdays instead of Fridays?
0: I am now coming down on Tuesdays instead of Fridays. I guess evidently some places do their sprint not to the Friday, but instead they do it to partway through the week. The idea being that typically if someone's just going to take one or two days off, those one or two days off typically is a Monday or a Friday, which would happen to be sprint review and sprint planning day. So kind of like the, two most important days of the sprint on vacation. So the thought was if we ch- excuse me, if we make it do those days then maybe it makes things a little bit easier. So, hey, figured we would try it and see. It's it's the, yeah, the team can decide and change it later. Cuz
1: cuz like when you said that Monday was a holiday, so I'm like is it Tuesday because of the holiday or because it's actually really Monday or is it really Tuesday?
0: Yeah, it's it's so. Tuesday this next week, so it has nothing to do with the holidays or anything. Though the holidays came at a good time because it gave us. It was going to take a day out of the sprint, but then we shifted the sprint, so we like ended up gaining like a day and a half back or something somehow because we had something going on the one afternoon too when some people didn't work, so it ended up, ended up working out about right.
1: So, uh, meanwhile, because in a very odd fluke of scheduling. Uh, the lead programmer at my company is out, uh, also in Europe. Uh, (laughs) so, so, like, I'm not going to see him until I come back, and he will be getting back, like, three days after I leave. Uh, so right now, I'm, like, the main, you know, programmer at the company. So, a lot of important things have fallen onto my shoulders. So,
0: it's a good time to go on vacation. (laughs)
1: So, uh, one thing that's been bugging me for a week, I finally cracked today, and a thing that's been bothering us for about three or four weeks, finally cracked today, we hope. So, uh, that one was kind of uh, a tricky one, because it dealt with, uh, analytics, uh, like page analytics. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh like initially we uh, pushed out this new feature that, you know, uh, essentially allowed someone to either sign up or log in on the same page. Uh so uh this was like in a special custom uh customization that we did for a client. Uh so uh we, you know, we realized after we uh put it live back in July that it wasn't qu- tagged quite right. Uh so uh, July 31st we uh, put it in a fix uh, but like you know this you know the client is still freaking out because his numbers are still down but we haven't changed any anything with the confirmation page like this is the same one we've been using since ever uh, so it turns out that uh, Bing actually turned off one of their ways of like doing I think it was like campaign analytics recording uh, that at July 31st it would no longer work so that caused a huge timeout on one of the javascript files uh so like people were closing their browsers before that timeout like after like 20 to 30 seconds okay so like this other uh analytics reporting wasn't being run on those browsers so meanwhile like we're testing internally and we're like we're seeing every one of these that go through uh, Because, you know, essentially, you know, we would, you know, do the testing and stay on that page while we, you know, emailed the guy saying, okay, we did all of these. <laughs> so, thus, you know, waiting past the timeout and having that being recorded.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Those bugs are the worst. The ones that, like, sometimes work and don't work. And you're never sure quite why it works the time so, it works.
1: So I, you know, did the handy dandy uh, web inspector and took a look at the network tab and realized that there is this good twenty five second gap uh, on the confirmation page, and it was reproducible every time. So, uh-huh. so you know, being people that are sort of impatient on an e commerce site. Uh, They want things to happen. And it's like, oh, yay, you know, the order went through, close. That's right.
0: (laughs) That's how it works. You see the order number and we're good.
1: (laughs) So, uh, hopefully, that solved the problem of just simply taking that out. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Looks like we uh, may have saved the contract there. And uh, as for the other client, they're sort of. I should say, they get excited over the little things. How should I say? So, in our production environments, we have the uh, order exports going to the back-end systems about every 15 minutes or so. Uh, So, and and if they fail at any time, like, it's, you know, everything is rolled back. So, on the next run, it'll get picked up again along with any new orders that have come in. So it was, like, 4 a.m., I think it might have been, like, last Saturday, that one of these jobs failed. Uh, Generally, it's because, you know, like, the remote server timed out. So, you know, remind, you know, just as a reminder, this job happens every 15 minutes. At 7 a.m., they were, like, bombarding my manager with text messages and stuff. They finally called my CEO, and she's like, Calm down, guys. Like, it happened once (laughs) It's run how many times since then? One failure Just Ah, calm down Everything's fine So, uh, at that point My manager decided to put in an after hours uh, Task item So we can charge them more
0: That sounds like a good idea
1: (laughs) So, you know Maybe they'll be careful over what they get excited over (laughs) Yes,
0: because that didn't sound like a real emergency (laughs)
1: So, yeah. So, yeah, managing expectations. It's its tough, and I'm glad I don't have to deal with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, customers can be pretty t- tricky to deal with, because you have to be nice to them, because they, they're paying you money. So
1: Yeah, so not only do I watch the car crashes on YouTube, I also read clients from hell. So, you know, that's just a whole litany of, uh, you know, how should I say, bad people trying to do business and, you know, not paying invoices and such so ah, anyways i'm glad i'm going on vacation soon
0: i <laughs> well, have a good vacation
1: yes so have a good one Here
0: we see you